Let's get to the juice. The juicy scoop. Juicy scoop. <laughs> trademark infringement. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Name Image Likeness Podcast, the podcast dedicated to covering the NIL world. I'm Wheeler. And I'm Chrissy, and we serve on the NIL team at VictoryFi. VictoryFi offers software built by our team that monitors NIL compliance and provides NIL education, and we have a platform for student-athletes to create merch. Our framework platform partners with athletic departments to teach student-athletes how to navigate the NIL world and how to manage money earned. Our Nelly.io platform is the easiest way to NIL. It allows student-athletes to build their own custom merchandise. You can check that out at N-I-L-L-I-E.io, and you can check Framework out at FrameworkNIL.com. That's right. That's right. And thank you. We um we have a lot coming up. So yes. we're going on a little dog and pony tour here. We're going to be showing off our software all across the Southeast and beyond. It's going to be a fun little excursion we have. We kind of kind of skipped a lot of the, the holiday travels just to push it down the line. Yeah. If you could be any kind of pony, what would you be? I'd be a Shetland pony. I don't know anything about ponies other than I think I'd, I'd like to miniature horse so I can kind of like just drag my feet in the ground. So I wouldn't <laughs> necessarily feel like I'm going to fall. I could just kind of balance. Have you seen those kids that drive around in the park and the, the, the little, you know, bicycles with their feet on the ground? They can, <laughs> still, they can still move. Pretty good. Yes. It's genius. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, as everyone knows, or maybe you don't, Florida State recently had some NIL issues and has become the first school to be punished by the NCAA for NIL infractions. We're going to talk about that in our main segment coming up. Stay tuned. It's pretty interesting. We, you know, this whole time we say how the NIL doesn't, you know, doesn't really have any power to do anything. Well, they do. And what they did, you'll find out it wasn't too much. It's definitely a punishment, but I don't know. It's good. Stay tuned. We'll do that. We have a lot of news and facts coming up. Over the past two weeks. So let's jump into it. Yes, let's go to those news and facts. News and facts. Utah could be getting its first NIL law. Under proposed bill, NIL collective donors would be allowed to receive additional benefits, such as loyalty points, for contributions. Jordan Tusher, a Republican from Salt Lake, is sponsoring House Bill 202, which outlines what would and would not be allowed by student-athletes and universities in regard to NIL. It's also designed to give donors a path to receiving perks for helping collectives get better and more lucrative deals for athletes. Tusher said several NIL collectives reached out to him with concerns that donors felt they weren't getting enough bang for their buck. Specifically, the bill states that it would not limit or prevent a collective from creating a loyalty points program to recognize or provide benefits to donors. The bill would add language to the existing state law that governs how college institutions operate. The state actually does not currently have its own NIL law dictating this, and it's just been going by the NCAA's standards since that occurred in 2021 with the interim policy. The bill's language details what has largely already been put in place by universities. Athletes are not employees of their university. They can profit from their NIL by making deals, by promoting businesses, products, or services. And they can also do social media appearances or commercials, things like that. Also, they can sell autographs. Uh, When student athletes are promoting something, this bill says they wouldn't be allowed to display their school's uniform, logos, or other identifying insignia. 
which is pretty standard. And then finally, athletes would be prohibited from promoting something affiliated with tobacco, e-cigarettes, alcohol, gambling, things like that. And they also can't violate existing school policies. So this is pretty typical, but exciting for Utah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of those NIL policies are already kind of like their school policies in general, right? Mm -hmm. What do you know about Salt Lake City, Real Housewives of Utah? Yes. I mean, I would die if someone promoted Real Housewives of Salt Lake. That'd be pretty cool. And so this is really interesting because they're kind of introducing this concept of loyalty points. It's not new in the world of, you know, advertising and marketing, but um, I guess like my thought to you, is, my question to you is, what do you think they're, you know, what, what are the point system like? Is it like a dollar spent? You get a point towards what, like tickets? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of like what other collectives do. I'm assuming it's kind of like, you know, how most collectives you buy into a tier probably. And you know, like if you are a red level, you get this. If you're a cream level, you get these perks, bags, stuff like that. That's what I would think. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's something like that. I just don't know what it's going to translate into. And, um, you know, like you get your airline points, you're pretty much going to fly anywhere in the country, but you get your Utes points. I mean, it's only good for Utah. Mm -hmm. I just don't, that's, it's just a interesting little thing they're throwing in there. And another thing to think about. It is. I mean, I, when I read that, I just assumed it was like all the other collectives are doing, but maybe there's something new because they're saying loyalty points, not necessarily like tiers of Right. It's totally donors. different. Interesting. I mean, I mean, can you save your loyalty points for five years? And I don't know. Anyway. Cash them in. Yeah. We'll, we'll check that out. That's uh, that's really interesting in the, over in Utah. A U.S. House subcommittee hearing aimed at refining the draft of a possible college sports bill drew significant interest and participation from legislators last week, but provided few clues about a path moving forward. The subcommittee is called the House Energy and Commerce Committee's Innovation, Data, and Commerce Subcommittee. Gorgeous name. What what a name. (laughs) I just got to say, like, committee people have nothing better to do than make dumb names. Anyways, Republicans and Democrats basically agreed that Congress needs to get involved in addressing the wide array of issues that have been raised by college athletes becoming able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. However, significant differences remain about how to do that. Charlie Baker and three college athletes appeared on a panel at the meeting. Mr. Baker made a case for federal legislation that would resolve a patchwork of state NIL laws, provide the NCAA with some legal protection from antitrust lawsuits, and prohibit athletes from becoming employees of their schools based on their participation in sports. However, participants being interviewed after the meeting did not act hopeful that any federal legislation would come to pass anytime soon. So Baker versus athletes. (laughs) I mean, I just feel like, of course, this benefits the NCAA. Yeah, that's... uh, And otherwise, if we just let it kind of dissipate out through all the states... I don't know if that's really like what out the word I'd like to use, but if it like if it went through all the states, it takes away the power of the NCAA, and so he needs something centralized. Totally. So that's why it's, he's fighting for it. Very cool, but yeah, interesting. Charlie Baker's uh, another committee, another hearing. He has like a lot of words he's to say. Busy. He's every single episode. He's talking. He's busy. He's busy, and what a what a terrible job to have right now. <laughs> You know, trying to protect your company from the ultimate change, the biggest change in college sports ever, really losing the majority of your control for the interest of athletes to have their rights mm-hmm. to monetize themselves. Mm-hmm. But it gets funnier that with the transfer portal and then you're like the integrity of the game, the longstanding NCAA. Will it even be around for much longer? Who knows? We shall see. Crazy stuff. 
Well, the U.S. Department of Justice signed on to a lawsuit in the Northern District of West Virginia District Court last week that challenges the NCAA's transfer eligibility rule. The lawsuit is now a civil antitrust lawsuit. The case centers around the governing body's grip on the athlete's ability to transfer, citing the second-time transfer rule violates antitrust law. The move comes on the same day as Minnesota, Mississippi, Virginia, and the District of Columbia joined the lawsuit, upping the the number of attorney generals involved in litigation to 11. The lawsuit is now a civil antitrust lawsuit. The case centers around the governing body's grip on athletes, in quotes, ability to transfer, citing the second-time transfer rule violates, like I said, that antitrust law. Current NCAA rules permit athletes to transfer one time without having to miss a year, instead being eligible to play immediately. If an athlete wishes to transfer twice, they typically must have the NCAA grant a waiver to compete immediately. Without an approved waiver, the athlete must sit out a year. NCAA bylaw 14.5.51 states athletes who are transferring a second time or more are required to sit a year before being eligible. According to the federal lawsuit, the NCAA's rule unjustifiably restrains the ability of these college athletes to engage in the market for their labor on NCAA Division I college athletes, the complaint states. By making it daunting to transfer twice, the rule also denies athletes educational opportunities per the Department of Justice release. So I feel like, and you tell me what you think, but I feel like these athletes that are transferring, this is a big decision. It's a business decision now. Like you've got this money. It was a business decision before. And you shouldn't, I don't know if it necessarily bothers me that like you shouldn't necessarily have, you shouldn't just be flipping around to schools. Wait, so why not? Because you should take that seriously. You think you should really think that through. And having this in place does make the athlete really consider before actually committing to another school. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think it's the decision to go to college. I would like to look at the numbers of, of you know, non-athletes, right? Especially these people that are going to the transfer portal. You know, your, your general student body there going, you know, to college. What is their transfer rate? And what is their transfer rate? times two. And what is your transfer rate times three? I guarantee that this is like, it, it, of all the people doing it, I bet the top majority have to be athletes doing this. Uh, well, no, I guess percentage wise, like the number of athletes that do it per the number of athletes would be way higher. Well, like it's cause it's, it's like acting like all these athletes are, are have this stuff all against them mm-hmm. and, and all these rules and stuff in place about them not being able to choose their education. But Everybody else in the world goes to college and they know transferring is a pain in the butt to get your credits moving from one yeah, to another. Yeah, that's a great point. And they just get to do it like that, like no big deal. And it's, it's not easy to transfer. It never has been easy to transfer schools unless you're going like to a JUCO to a college. Interesting. Worth following. All right. Last week, the Florida legislator heard a pre- presentation on high school NIL during a meeting of the House's Education Quality Subcommittee. Three bills were said to have been considered at the meeting. The Florida High School Athletic Association is asking for public input on NIL deals for high school athletes. There is a survey on their website. We'll link it in the show notes. And uh, yeah, go check it out. It's a cool survey. And uh, moving forward. That would be so cool. I would love it. Florida's right next to us. That would be really awesome. Pretty (laughs) Framework. (laughs) (laughs) But pretty, pretty cool. I like that. Okay, so my next piece of news, I just thought 
was adorable. Okay, so the Dartmouth, which is America's oldest college newspaper, a so that's where this comes from. Student athlete journalist Jason Norris wrote up an article, and it was picked up by like a good number of of people kind of following NIL that makes a case about why NIL is really messing things up for the Ivy League. And he really cites the fact that there's no donor collectives in the Ivy League schools like there are in these larger schools. But then he also kind of talks about how they're not necessarily competing against those those big schools. But it was really interesting, and it just honestly piqued my attention because I did not know that the Dartmouth was America's oldest college newspaper. And I found it interesting that there really aren't any collectives that are supporting those Ivy League athletes. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. That's it. I just thought it was an adorable piece of news. Well, not so adorably, the NCAA Division I Council unanimously adopted a proposal to address student-athletes' protections related to name, image, and likeness effective August 1st. The four elements of student-athlete protections are voluntary registration. The NCAA will establish a voluntary registration process for NIL service providers that's going to be agents, financial advisors, et cetera, to serve as a centralized source for providers interested in working with student-athletes. That's got a lot of implications. Yeah. Disclosure requirements. Student-athletes will be required to disclose to their schools information related to NIL agreement exceeding $600 in value no later than 30 days after entering or signing an NIL agreement. That's pretty standard. Standardizing contracts, the NCAA will work with schools to provide student-athletes with robust education on contractual obligations, including developing a template contract and recommended contract terms to ensure student-athletes and their families make informed decisions about NIL agreements and get into a decent contract. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Comprehensive NIL education, the NCAA will develop a comprehensive plan to provide ongoing education and resources to support student-athletes and those assisting student-athletes on policies, rules, and best practices pertaining to NIL. Kind of already in present, particularly with Victory 5. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, cool. Standard contracts is something that we've all been asking for. Um, it just makes it a lot easier because nobody, you know, the lawyers are expensive. And getting these contracts in place, like every time we lease a house, we have a contract. Exactly. Let's just get it. Like, if you can't fit your deal into this contract, it's probably – it's like, that's really complicated. Like, just make it work. I mean, you, you were talking about this earlier, right? Like, the legal departments at schools, it really helps reading a standard contract. Mm -hmm. Like, how much time would that save them? Oh, my gosh. It's like, okay, I just need to look at these different areas that were filled in. That would be excellent. I love that. Okay. Main segment. Let's get to the juice. The juicy scoop. Juicy scoop. <laughs> trademark infringement. <laughs> Okay, so you've done a lot of digging. Um, this first came to our attention kind of like it did everyone else. Florida State got into a little trouble, and so we wanted to obviously know what was going on. So I know you've been really keeping up with that. So do you want to kind of walk me through what happened? And then obviously I'll just give my thoughts. Absolutely. All right, <laughs> so um, this is pretty cool. The players in the story, we have Florida State. We have one of their assistant coaches. We have a booster who is now in a collective, in a position of power at the Rising Spirit Collective. At the time, was not associated. He wasn't a booster. He was a booster, but he wasn't on the sitting on the collective at the time. Okay. And they're trying to get an athlete in this transfer portal that we talked about earlier. So, oh my gosh, so story. many elements. These are the elements. Yeah. We talked about Florida today. We talked about the transfer portal. We talked about the NCAA. 
Good loud. And we talk about the coaches needing education on what to do because they're under stress to talk get about full athletes circle. And they can't get a break, right? Yeah. Anyways, all right. So a recent case involving a Florida State assistant football coach sheds light on a series of NCAA rule violations related to impermissible recruiting contracts, contacts, and ethical conduct. According to an agreement released by the D1 Committee on Infractions, the assistant coach played a central role in facilitating an impermissible recruiting contact between a transfer prospect and a booster, leading to a set of consequences for the coach, the school, and the booster. They got punished. Dun, dun, dun. Not too bad. Not too bad. We'll get to the actual punishment. But yeah, this is actually NCAA doing something related to NIL. And wow, sorry, Florida State, for being the first to get to get got, like I said earlier. The violation unfolded when the prospective stu- transfer student athlete entered the, the transfer portal and communi- communicated with the assistant coach to arrange an official visit to Florida State. During the visit, the assistant coach took the prospect and his parents to an off co- off-campus meeting with the booster and then brought him back, right? He was kind of their transportation. He was the facilitator. He was a recruiter. He was trying to get this guy on campus, brought him over to meet this booster who said, hey, we have this idea. Here's a way for you to get this deal for $15,000 a month, Right. So that's kind of went down. They kind of promised a deal through a collective, through the booster at the time. And because he was a booster, that's when things got all mixed up. So because of the rules of boosters, you can't have contact, especially with the coaches. You can't be passing things off and forth because boosters still are in a different realm than a collective. And so, um, yeah, so the punishments they got. So that's the gist of it, right? That's pretty he, interesting. He facilitated the deal in that he just provided transportation back and forth. They talked about money at the deal. Coach came back, brought him back. The, so the coach the drove even, him somewhere where he would get – he just drove the car. Right? He campus. drove him somewhere where he was going to get paid by a person who wasn't allowed to pay him. Yes. Okay. That's really, and that, that's the story. That's the whole story. That it's and and, and There's a lot the of words around it, but yeah. Okay. The rest of the story is that coach knows he shouldn't do it. Coach did it. Um, I feel like that's like the number one thing that the coaches are trained to do. Yeah, but it's so interesting that like. It is so nothing. It's just a car ride, but it's still just like. I just imagine these the NCAA sitting around just waiting to like get them. Oh, yeah. Like they just, they really want it. Well, the, the kid, the transfer student didn't even, he stayed at ASU. I'm not going to say, I don't, I don't even know his name, but he didn't even go to Florida State. So this was all just. In recruiting. So who turned them in? How did the NCAA find out? I don't know. Well, I think Isn't it was it self-reported. mostly self-reporting? Yeah. yeah, I think they self-reported. Now, when you do self-report, that means you probably got trouble already, and so you got to yeah. get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, or, I don't know. They, I'm not going to they're, – they're, the legal department probably, probably found out. Call us. <laughs> yeah, give us a scoop. <laughs> I'm sure we'll butcher it. Um, so what they got, they got two years of probation – there is a two-year show cause order for the assistant coach, including a suspension from the next three regular season games. Wow. A two-week restriction on recruiting communication <laughs> and required attendance. This is the worst punishment of all. And required attendance at an NCAA regional rules seminar oh. conference. <laughs> you have to sit through one of their dang conferences. Boring. It's time for you to get re-educated. <laughs> a restriction from off-campus recruiting during a fall 2023 for the assistant coach. Off-campus recruiting, off the board from this fall. A three-year disassociation from the booster. A one-year disassociation from the collective, which is interesting. A $5,000 fine plus 1% of the football budget. 
That's big news, wow. the percentage. A 5% reduction in football scholarships over the two-year probationary period. Wow. Amounting to a total reduction of five scholarships. There's a reduction in official paid visits in the official in the football program for the 23-24 academic year by seven. The school also will not roll over six unused official visits from the previous year. The last two, there's a reduction in football recruiting communications for a total of six weeks during the upcoming two seasons. And lastly, a reduction in the number of in-person recruiting days during the 2023-2024 academic year by six evaluation days during the fall 2023 and 18 in the future. Can you imagine being the passionate nerd in the compliance department that forced the reporting of this? They have to really... (laughs) They have to really want to follow the rules. But like, what what hammer could they have dropped more? The kid didn't even go there. I guess it could have been worse. That but. seems losing five scholarships seems huge. I mean, there's so many things, but like specifically, like that's huge. So when that happens, do you? I mean, I, I know. Do they don't bring? Is that just five less opportunities for some other kid to go? I think that kind of stings. Yeah. Someone tell tell us though. Yeah. If we're wrong, but. Wow. So the big thing here is the boosters, right? So separation of, it's like church and state. We got mm-hmm. separation of boosters and NIL these days. The big deal is that, is, is boosters. That, that was the only reason because talking to the collective, all right, they, the, the coach only has a one-year disassociation from the collective. So the collective didn't get knocked. So that like they're not even in the harm at all right there, which means that the NCAA doesn't have much to do with the collective. Well, and if the collective could raise the money, they could, as we've seen with other schools, they could potentially give them the money to go to school. Right. So they didn't necessarily lose the scholarship. And maybe that is why they were more, they were, they self-reported. Because it's like, well, we're going to lose this scholarship, but we could probably get $200,000 from the collective to pay for five kids to go to school here. Yeah, it's interesting. True. Because they have the dough. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, moral of the story is uh, if you are <laughs> – if you're a, a parent of a kid in the transfer portal going to these top schools, um, if you don't – Watch back. Well, if you, know, if you don't want your, your kid to get in trouble, if you want the, the school to get in trouble, just Google who is the biggest collective for XYZ school. Find the list. Find the CEO and contact them directly. Let them know that you're going to be in town and you'd like to schedule a meeting. And don't take a ride from the coach. Um, <laughs> boosters – it, they're in a weird spot right now, right? Because the school's asking them for money. The collective's asking them for money. They're involved in both sides, but they can't really communicate to each other. It's it's a bad spot to be a booster here. If you want to be a booster and on the collective, find you a puppet. Find you a Muppet. Put them on there, the board in your place. Let them run it. You do the bidding for them. Just, you got to keep it away. Like, if you want to be a booster, stay a booster and operate the collective remotely, right? You just can't what do both. What sound moral advice? <laughs> you just, oh, like, because it's dumb though. Like you you have money, it's your program. And now the game's changed so much where if you're not going out in the transfer portal, if you're not trying to get some of these athletes, I mean, athletically, you're going to fall behind. Um, it's just a weird, weird, this is, this is just more proof that it's just dumb. Yeah. Interesting. Like, like open the rules up or, or just don't. Excellent. So, yeah. Great story. And next week, we'll tell you about Florida because they have something to come down the pipeline. <laughs> I, yeah. Florida, they just no state income tax. Like, Go it's Florida. a great place to get paid for an athlete. Mm-hmm. You'll make a lot more money. What, 40% extra? Yeah. It's not bad. Nuts. Cool. I'm okay. Done. Shall we go to the Nillies? Yeah, take it away. 
Okay, would you like to go first? I've been talking so much. I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me. I'll just go ahead and go. We got my girl, Caitlin Clark. She has broken the record for the most expensive women's basketball trading card. The current bid for Clark's autograph 2022 Bauman U basketball card is $21,600. Wow. A hair less than the monkey NFTs that were going around <laughs> town a couple years back. Wow, that's impressive. So go, Caitlin Clark. She's I, everywhere. She's all over TV. Like every time they do a promo for basketball, it's Caitlin Clark. It's great. Uh, yeah. And everybody knows her name. Flage, Caitlin, they have like a little one-on-one battle. Well, speaking of Flage, she just signed with Powerade. That's my Nilly. And also Isaiah Collier from USC. And I just think that's cool because I also love Powerade and Flage is from Savannah. So very cool. Go Flage. Right. Yeah. That's it. What a great episode. Great episode. Thank you all for listening today. If you would like to learn more about Fuchify's platform, visit Nilly.io. If you would like to learn more about our framework compliance platform and financial literacy courses, visit frameworknil.com or victify.com. And if you'd like to learn more about our favorite recent Nillies from across the country, follow us on social media. Yes, we post new Nillies. We post promos for our podcast episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at Name Image Likeness Podcast. We just posted an interview that... Um, Hannah Wan and I did with Savannah CEO about some of our framework work. And uh, you can also, that's pretty much it because I don't do Twitter anymore. So if you want to follow it all in one place, you can follow our drift. And please remember to rate and review the podcast. Have a great week and we'll see y'all in two weeks. Bye. Name Image Likeness is part of the Palm Tree Podco Network of Podcasts. The show is produced and edited by Anthony Palmer. Thanks to the team at Victory 5 for creating the content for this week's episode.